You know, as I was sitting there, I was thinking about, you know how on Facebook things flash up when you see something like, like a, it's called a memory, I reckon. And yesterday a memory popped up of Piedmont Baptist seven years ago. And, the, and I've got that picture on my website to where you cannot see a piece of red carpet for the people that were on their face. And I had written down there in my notes, 20, uh, 27 rededications, 17 salvations. And when I think about Piedmont, I think about, that's a sweet spot. Then all of a sudden, there was another memory popped up of, uh, about a month ago, and I thought, well, Piedmont twice, you know. And it was a situation where I did the door message, and I'll never get over it because I've been preaching the door all over the place for years. But there was a particular moment with Yahweh, it was lined up all around here. You cannot hardly get in the circle and there was a little old man on the oxygen tank that walked through that door. And I've been talking about him for a long time. And how he told me that when he got through that door, he didn't have, how that oxygen tank would go away and he'd never have it again in heaven. And it was an amazing thing. Can you hear me? It says that I'm on, but am I on? I'll get on in a minute. I can get loud. Am I on now? Is that better? But I wanted to share that with you because I know there's times when there's distance between when I come back and not come back. But what an awesome memory to get me fired up to come back today. And, and, and to, you know, if y'all don't know me, I'm Bart Ponders. I run a ministry called 21 Dive. And for the last couple of years, I have had a great transition in 29 years of ministry. And you say, great, but what do you mean by great? I buried my father, and I had heart surgery. Two of the most dynamic things I think that... God decided to grow me in that like I've never seen before. No matter how sick we get on this earth. And I remember picking my father up as he laid there and passed away in the hospital. And I remember my cousin was in the funeral business. And I remember him sitting there. And you know, a lot of times when they, you don't want to see that outcome where all of a sudden they just put the body in the body bag and they move on about their business and it's over with. Well, I remember wanting to pick my daddy up. My daddy never hugged me. Never told me that he loved me, never raised me, but I picked him up. And I remember as I laid him on that gurney and I said, we'll meet again one day. There'll be a reunion one day that, that all of a sudden all those things in the past won't matter. And, I, and all we'll know is glory that we'll all be a whole body and it'll be a wonderful thing. And I guarantee you this morning, what I want to leave here with this was you thinking about this, and my message is going to be obvious, heaven is real and we've got to live like it. In a minute, I'm going to play a song for you, then I'm going to get into my message, but I want to read a couple of stats to you. But I also want to share one other thing, too. Is I had heart surgery 18 months ago, and I love sharing this, and that is that there's going to be a time in your life when anybody can be excited about God and ministry when everything's going good and the money's flowing good and you're paying your bills and life's just like you want it, man. It's easy to get in here and do this number right here, you know. But when you're going through those trials and tribulations and you're wondering whether or not what the outcome is going to be and you truly trust God, that's a different story. And I'll never get over it as my children are laying this, sitting in this operating room and they're waiting for day to have surgery. And I remember I've told them that my kids their whole life, I said, look here, I'm going to leave one day. You're going to be without me. But just remember, because you've got a plan of salvation in your heart, you know Jesus, we will never be apart forever. And I remember as they wheeled me back into that operating room, and I remember looking at that heart, that heart doctor, and I got such conviction to tell him, I said, look, Today, you can't mess up. 
And he looked at me with this bewildered look on his face, and that scared me for a second. I thought, well, maybe he's in the mood to mess up. I don't know. But I said, hey, you can't mess up. He said, well, what do you mean by that, Mr. Ponders? I said, because either way, I'm going to wake up somewhere. And if I wake up here, then I get to keep on preaching. I get to keep on being daddy and, 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 and husband. But if I wake up on the other side, I'm going to be in glory. And I'm going to see Jesus. And I remember I seen a tear in his eye. I remember laying my head back. And I remember when I woke up, I told God, I said, God, as long as there's breath in my lungs, I will run this race. This morning, I want to introduce you to the altar that I've seen full many times. But we're not going to go there yet. So you can sit back. I hope you can hold yourself in your seat for a few minutes. And then we're going to get to all of a sudden to have a chance to mark out the red. You know what I'm saying? It was a really awesome picture. Let me read you some stats and then I'm going to play this song. I'm going to pick on Georgia this morning because I am from Georgia. And I didn't think it would be right to give Alabama stats and come in here and try to depress you. But I will tell you something about right now what's going on in America. We're in an evangelism crisis. And let me tell you why. In a recent report done by the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, Georgia has 3,600 Southern Baptist churches, ranging in a number from five members all the way to 19 mega churches. 48% of these Georgia churches did not baptize a single soul in 2017. Now, let me wrap your brain around that. 2,400 churches, not even the preacher, not even the missionary, not a single soul had the conviction and led somebody to Jesus Christ and baptized. It's a tragedy. It, it'll make you ask yourself, why do you come to church? Because if you come for, for show, if you come just to feel good, if you come here just to hide out and be protected, you're losing the purpose. Because God's carving you out right now. God wants to put you on the anvil. He wants to sit back and shake you up. He wants you to realize that as long as you're on this earth, you've got a purpose. 13% baptized more than 10. In 1998, and I want you all to get this about this decline. In 1998, the Southern Baptist churches averaged 11 baptisms a year per 100 in worship. Between the years 1999 the, and 2013, the average dropped to three baptismals a year per 100. From 2014 to 2017, the average dropped to one baptismal per church per 100. What are we doing? You know, I know what I do. I'm on this hard trail. God called me to evangelism, and there's times in my life when I'm on the road, I'm thinking, why me, God? Why, why do you want me to go on this journey? And the only thing that I can tell you is two things, is I've never got over being saved, ever. I sit here now, and I tingle, and I say, God, I'm going to mess up, because you know, I, I've told you in the past, I mess up a lot, and that's my forte, so you don't have to be perfect to preach, you know. If you're perfect, you scare me. But here's the thing, I realize I'm saved. And when I go into dead churches, when I go into churches, they look at me like, oh, you're a, you're, you don't exist no more. We don't want evangelists. Well, the next thing you know, they don't want preachers. And next thing you want, you want people standing here just uh, telling you what you want to hear and motivate you to accept back and be a better businessman and make more money, spend more money. You're going to lose every dime you have. Your house is going to go away. You're going to die. You can't take none with you. But you can take souls with you. You can't walk into heaven and go, wow, did I have a part of that, man. That's going to be unreal, you know. And I tell you, that's what I'm shooting for. I want you to listen to this song, and I'm going to talk about the solution 
to the evangelism crisis in America. And it's called that we need to look up every now and then and know that you'll fly away one day. Go ahead and remember me. Play it loud so you don't hear me saying. Turn me down.
Thursday night, I pull into Varnell Cafe. It's a little little restaurant down our, in our town. And I'm meeting all our seniors for our football team. My son's a senior this year. There's 27 of us, I think. I remember telling Terry, I said, you know, I remember when Trevor came into the world, I had almost got out of youth ministry by then. And he hadn't really seen me in the youth ministry mode. You know what I'm saying? It's always been evangelism and traveling. But I remember as I looked over that 27 as we are feeding them, I said, you know, i got to ask you boys something. How many of y'all believe in heaven? I've never seen such a bewildered look. Heaven. Mr. Bart, tell me about heaven. I want to know. And, I, and, and even Terry said, Bart, you know, what you do now, them teenagers, you know, you know, just be careful here, you know, because bottom line is this, is we, we, we're, we're afraid to push you a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Because all of a sudden we'll make you run off, and all of a sudden we might scare you thinking, ah, oh, you know, I'm scared of that. You need to be a little scared if you don't know what heaven is. And as I shared the gospel with him, young man, I shared what heaven was like, like I'm about to do in a minute. I could see eyes going off in the room and lights were just shining. Like you could tell they were wanting more and more and more. And I remember as I set the plan of salvation, eight of them raised their hand to receive Jesus. And I've known the eight for a long time. I've been praying for them. And the other the 16, 17, I know we're sitting back and there's a lot of question marks there too. But I remember as I was walking out of the cafe, I remember one of them grabbed my hand and said, Hey, I want you to sit me down and I want you to tell me that story about what heaven looks like again. See, I think a lot of times in our life, this world gets to be where all of a sudden we think it's the greatest thing. We go in our comfortable recliners, and we get in our nice cars, and we go to our nice restaurants, and we live our life. You know what I'm saying? And I really do believe that the most tragic thing going on in America is the Christian, not the lost soul, but the Christian has forgot about what they're going to gain. I believe the Christian comes into church, and I think they're especially fearful of me because here's the thing. I'm not going to play around with you this morning, but I'm going to love on you. I want to encourage you. But I also want you to know that if you're saved and you've got Jesus in your heart, then you should not be sitting around waiting for somebody to beg you to volunteer to do something. You shouldn't be sitting around wondering what's going to happen or what kind of condition we're in. But you should be a doer of the word. You should be on your face seeking the Lord to say, God, I don't know what your plans are, but I would love for you to tell me. I want to know how I can participate in filling up heaven. That's my line everywhere I go, even when I'm around my own town. They'll go, Mr. Bart, what do you do for a living while I fill up heaven? Well, how do you do that? Well, it's pretty easy. I've been studying the Bible for my whole, since I, for 29 years. I realize the Bible's the truth and the light of the world. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe the Bible can, all of a sudden, if you realize in the gospel that you're lost and you receive him, heaven is your reward. And here's the thing, a lot of times I go into churches, man, they look like they're just ready to roll over and die, you know. Now, the one thing, I'm, I have not brushed up on my CPR in years physically, you know what I'm saying. Now, I will sit back, and I can CPR you in the Bible, but I don't know if I can bring you back to life physically, you know. But here, a lot of times I walk in there, and all of a sudden, about five minutes, they'll look at me, and they'll go, ooh, that guy right there has got more energy than ten cats. And they'll just look at me and look at me, and I'm thinking, yeah, if you're looking at me like this, Man, you're going to have fun today, you know? Because my goal was to get you out of your seat. My goal was to make you realize that if you're going to sit in heaven and you get there and you're going to be like this. And somebody might be doing something great. Somebody, 
I ain't, I ain't raising man. I ain't saying a word, you know. I promise you, you, go, you will not like heaven. Because they'll be rejoicing. There'll be people singing. See, I love to sing and I'm awful at it. Well, can you imagine everybody in heaven that's awful at singing, singing? It's going to be chaos. But it's going to be a sweet tune to Jesus. You know, it's going to be something awesome. I feel up heaven. Sometimes you've got to say that to yourself, you know. What's on your resume? What brings you to the dance? Well, I feel up heaven. Well, tell me more about that. What does that mean? That's thing you know, they want more education, seminary, my history. Blah, blah. Well, I can give you that. I can write a book on that. But it makes it real simple if I just tell you that God called me, touched my life 29 years ago, and said, go and tell. Now, here's the thing. Nowhere in that process has he said, oh, you can quit now. Oh, you can retire now. Oh, you, you, you've donated enough, uh, you've uh, uh, tithed enough, you've wrote, you drove the roads enough, you've preached enough. There ain't nowhere in that book that it tells me to quit. And there's nowhere in that book that it tells you to quit. And there's nowhere in that book that he tells you to sit around and whine and moan and groan, and our job is to pet you and make you feel better. It's just not the Word of God should make you feel better. Man, when you open that book up, it, ex- it excites you so much, because here's the thing, young men, young women, the word is alive. And, and here lately, I've been thinking a lot about heaven. And you know what? I, it, it's so sad that, that all of a sudden we have to grow older. Because I know now, even eight or nine years ago when I was here the first time, I'm more and more gray-headed, you know? And I understand my time on this earth will be shorter, and it's, it's coming to an end one day. But I do believe that we hate as Christians to think about that. I believe all of a sudden when I start talking about opening up and peeking in, all of a sudden you get certain people go, guess what? I don't want to think about death. I don't want, I don't want to think about that at all. And all of a sudden I'll remind you, well, there's where your grandma's at. Well, there's where your son's at that you lost too soon. Well, there's your wife with cancer that passed away. And then you'll realize all of a sudden it's the most important thing in the world. Listen to me. Let, me. let me just do my theatrical thing here. It is the most important thing in the world to sit back and to come to the knowing knowledge of Jesus Christ and not faking it, not being emotionally drawn down there, not going in there because your buddy's down there, not going in there because it's popular, but because the Holy Spirit of God said, guess what? You are lost and I want to find you right now. Come to me. And I promise you, people, if you'll continue to go on that journey, if you'll continue to sell out and say, guess what, my life's a testimony. I believe now more than anything in self-evangelism. I think what happens is in the last 30, 40 years in church, we have done things as a group so much that about 98% of that core group is doing this. So he's going to do it, he's going to do it, and she's going to do it. And you just sort of hide in that little circle, that little huddle, you know. But God sees you, and he wants you to rise up. I'm telling you, I am no good. I have, I have been in it 29 years, and I'm saying, God, still this day, why me? Because I will. Because I'm willing. Because I sit back and say, guess what? I know what my riches are. I understand that all of a sudden, there's anything that I face on this earth will not compare to walking up to Jesus in the throne room and him looking at me and making an account of who I am. That's what I fear. I don't want him to look at me and say, you know what, Bart, there's a few years ago where you just got soft and easy. And I don't want to be critiqued, but yet it's Jesus. I'll do whatever he tells me. Because if he's telling me that, guess what? I got in. You know? And I'm going to smile, and I'm going to smile big, and I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and I'm going to move on. Because here's the thing. 
I do believe with all my heart that heaven is real. Now, here's the thing I want to touch this morning. Because a lot of times in the church, you have all kinds of people in church. You've got the sour looks. You've got the holier than now looks. You've got the jitterbug look. You've got the stern look, you know. You've got the I'm judging you look. But here's the thing. What he wants is the enthusiastic servant look. He don't care how all of a sudden you can put that game face on and go, guess what? You can't penetrate that. You know, just leave me alone. I'll penetrate it. You know what I'm saying? Jesus will knock it off your face. You know, he'll, he'll sit back. He'll put you down. He'll put you on your knees quick. And I promise you, when I walked into that heart lab and realized that, hey, I didn't get that way because all of a sudden I was eating salads. I realized that I, I was eating too much barbecue. Uh-oh. Too much barbecue and too much bread. And so I realize that I'm going on this journey now trying to be a healthier me. But let me ask, tell you a question why I'm looking for a healthier me. Not to live forever, not to stay on this stinking earth forever, but guess what? To fill up heaven. I have, God's not told me to stop. This thing right here, I want to describe heaven to you this morning. I want you to close your eyes and listen to this. In Revelation 21, starting in verse 18, John gives a vivid description of the city of heaven he tells us that the city is made of pure gold there are four large high walls made of jasper surrounding it with 12 gates into the city and each gate door is made of one solid pearl there's an angel standing at each one of these magnificent gates the foundation of the city walls are built on 12 layers of precious jewels the streets are made of pure gold that's as clear as glass there is no church buildings in heaven. We won't need them because the Lord's Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city doesn't need the sun or the moon for light. God is, God's glory is the light and the Lamb is its lamp. Its gates will never be shut by, by day and never won't be any night. You know, when I read that, I think about something nowadays. Because you know what? This, you see people around there, I mean, all of a sudden when they... They feel like they're jeweled out. They got, they got their, all their stuff they like. You know, they'll pull up in their fancy cars. Or you know, all of a sudden, you know, they got them watches, you know. And everybody just thinks all of a sudden they got bling. Or, they got, or they're decked out with fancy things in life, you know. Now, it ain't got to be it ain't gotta be jewelry. It can be homes. It can be a bank account. It can be all kinds of things that becomes you bling, you know. Picture heaven. Picture heaven. Now let me tell you what I think is funny about that description of heaven. Can you imagine looking at that description as you go in and seeing your parents and your grandparents, maybe your children, if, you, if they went sooner, and you see all that magnificent heaven, but then there's just Jesus. All of a sudden, gold and pearls ain't going to mean nothing, right? All of a sudden, it ain't going to matter if it's pure gold. It ain't going to matter if all of a sudden it's the biggest diamond in the world because there sits the diamond. There sits the door, the way, the truth, the light. And there sits the Savior. So it's so funny that he would describe heaven like that because heaven will be a secondary look to the Savior. Because guess what? If it wasn't for the Savior, you couldn't go. So let me tell you something. He looked at us one time and said, guess what, man? God did and said, guess what? Y'all are just too bad. We just ain't going to get it done. You know what I'm All of a sudden you realize if you had to get in on your merits, you had to get in on your looks, you had to get in on your status, well, about 98% of the world would be going to hell, you know? But the bottom line, forgiveness. 
Bottom line is when we hung Jesus on the cross and he, and he hung for all our sins, hung for everything about us, we should shut down the moaning. We should shut down the... When I read, and I'll remind you again, and I'm picking on Georgia, 2,400 churches did not baptize a single soul. Now, i tell you what I want you to do when you leave here today is I want you to sit back and look up an Alabama statistic. In fact, Michael, you probably know Alabama's. And if it, you know what? I don't know the status. My mentor is going to talk about it. I don't want to know. That's going to be Michael's journey, you know, when I leave. To sit back and realize that if we look at that, and then we get on our face, make a, make a holy ground somewhere, it's like that masked in moment, or at your house, at the foot of your bed, and we say, God, I can't have that. In fact, this last year I've had, once I've learned all the stats in the last six months, I've said, guess what? The best thing you can do is pray for this. To, to, to take on that shame of knowing that God sent his son to die on the cross so that all of a sudden we could take a disinterest in him. That we could all of a sudden, all of a sudden, let him, not put him on the pedestal that he belongs on. I think a lot of times that's our problem is all of a sudden we get a little holier than now on Sunday morning. We get a little excited. We'll come down and have a little moment. But that moment don't project ourselves in the community. It doesn't, it doesn't go home with us. It doesn't go to work with us. It doesn't go all of a sudden we say, guess what? That was so powerful to me Sunday morning and Sunday night. I want to get up Monday morning and I want to read my Bible again. I want to improve my prayer life. I want to start looking at my conviction and say, God, I know that's not a bellyache. I know that's not a stomachache. That's the Holy Spirit telling me I need to go share my witness, share my testimony. Because I guarantee you right now, your job is to fill up heaven. Not to fill up Piedmont, not to fill up the world as far as whatever's going on in this world. But to fill up heaven, that is your job, that is your calling. You said, Bart, I ain't got a calling. Yes, you got a calling. When you were saved... When Jesus came into your heart and was Lord and Savior, after you had that experience of the Holy Spirit, that gift, there's another gift in you. There is a gift that God has custom made, as Rick Flair would say, from head to toe. He's designed you perfect to do something, whether it to be a feed a body, to pay somebody's bills, to encourage somebody, to walk across somebody and help them out through life. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, when you become selfless, when you become a servant of God, then you get to do something. There's not a drug compared to it. There's not a steak you can eat. There's not a vacation you can go on where all of a sudden you start sharing with somebody. And you've been rejected a whole lot, but all of a sudden that person goes, I want to know more. Would, would, would you please tell me more? And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're sharing your testimony like you thought you never could do. You know, and all of a sudden that person goes, hey, I want some of that. Listen, church, let's get unselfish. Let, let, let's ask God to be, make us selfless. Because let me tell you something. There ain't no other way into heaven. There's no other alternate route in the Bible. There's not a, a, a new edition of anything. It is the way, the truth, and the light. It says, will you get in? Revelation 21 verse 27 tells us that nothing unclean will ever enter the city. No one who does shameful things or tells lies will ever enter the city. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to tell you something. You have, I think it's one of those things. It's this. I think sin, has. we have buried sin so deep in our life that we don't even know it's a word no more. We, we, we live in a society where it's so blurry to where nobody's thinking about wrong or right. 
I promise you, if you get on your face, if you get a prayer life, if you start reading your Bible and seeking Him, He will clean you up. He will make you anew. And I promise you, you will participate in filling up heaven. You say, boy, you keep saying that over and over again. I hope it sounds like a broken record. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that should be, as Christians, a desire for us all the time to sit back and say, guess what? Whatever I do, Lord, I want to be an example for you. Heaven awaits in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior of the Lord, Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the workings by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. You know, I remember when I picked my daddy up, my daddy was abusive to me. My daddy didn't raise me. He didn't take care of me. But you know what? During that time in my life, let me tell you something about forgiveness, church. It is unreal. Take your judgment out off and throw it away and say, God, give me a big dose of forgiveness. Give me a big dose where all of a sudden, even the most hated people that I don't like, even the people that sit back and turn me off, I want to love them in the name of Jesus. I promise you, if you'll love somebody, if you'll learn to love somebody, if love will be the greatest thing you can ever give somebody, then you'll start giving it out. Then all of a sudden, when things come your way that's not good, when all of a sudden you want to judge and point fingers, and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, now, whoa, that ain't a good effect. You know? When's the last time that you have rebuked, repelled, all of a sudden that things that makes you bad? You know? I think our problem is this, is we start liking ourselves, you know? And the next thing you know, we like our life, we like what we do. And the next thing you know, we put ourselves into a box to where all of a sudden this young generation goes, well, I see y'all in church, but that's all I see. I, I see y'all per- taking up and having a, a, a dinner. I see y'all doing things, but when's the last time that you've been sold out? When's the last time all of a sudden you've been, been on trial? You said, well, what's a trial? Where all of a sudden you're encountering somebody that maybe in your flesh Y'all ain't going to dance. Maybe in the flesh of how you are and how they are, it just don't add up. But when Jesus is involved, when the Holy Spirit of God is amongst that, then all of a sudden you can do things like you've never done before. When's the last time that you've led somebody to Jesus? When's the last time that you've knelt down at this altar and said, God, use me? I tell you what, when I say that, I've had people come up to me and go, Bart, that scares me to death. That, 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 that bothers me. I don't know that I can pray that prayer. And right there, you're admitting where you're at in life, you know. A lot of people, we get comfortable with who we are. And the next thing you know, when I say, hey, have you ever led somebody to Jesus? This is the answer. Well, that's my preacher's job. That's the missionary's job. Well, that's that little woman that's been teaching Sunday school for 40 years. That's her job, you know. I'm telling you right now, when you start pointing to somebody else, you're in trouble. When's the last time you did somebody to Jesus? When's the last time you helped fill up heaven? When's the last time all of a sudden you said, God, I, in spite of all my faults, in spite of all my problems, I want to be a part of glory? So let me tell you something, church. What's it going to take to get you excited about a place you can't see? What's it going to take for all of a sudden you to sit back and realize you can't smell it, you can't touch it, you can't walk in yet, there's not pictures of it, but yet you'll spend your whole life dedicated to filling it up. See, heaven's real. Jesus is real. And you can't find Jesus on this earth in the flesh. So here's the thing. I've got them guys going, well, tell me more about Jesus. Who's Jesus? You know you've got kids now, young generations, they'll sit back and 
You can't do like 25 years ago. We start telling a Bible story and they go, oh, I've heard that story before. You know what they do now? They go, I've never heard of that story. And you get scared. Because this is the truth, the lie of the world. This is a living word that tells the truth. It says right here that, and I want to tell you a story in a minute. We're going to come to a close. But I got a little girl named Shelby. And she's in Dublin, Georgia. And she's in a wheelchair. And she's been following me for 15 years. Just like y'all, she's on my website. And I'll never get over. She takes me. She's graduated from high school. And when she came to me, she's like a sixth grader. And she's in wheelchairs. And she had to breathe through this thing to move. She has to breathe through this thing to move her hands. What she has to do is a little, it's a, it's a cool device, you know. But all she can do is speak and breathe. And she said, Mr. Bart, she'll call me up or she'll text me or she'll Facebook. She goes, just describe heaven to me today. I'm having a bad day. He said, I love when you tell me when you come to my church how all of a sudden this whole wheelchair is going to be gone for me. I love how you tell me that all of a sudden I can use my legs. And I mean, she'll get excited on me on a Facebook or a phone call. I'll have church with her, you know. Because she goes, here's the thing. When all of a sudden you're on your blessedness and everything's going right and everything's good and you're judgmental, maybe you're the biggest giver in the church and all of a sudden you've checked everything off the list and you, you don't want to listen to me. But then you could be in a wheelchair like her that can't move anything but her mouth and breathe. And she desires her body. And she knows that heaven's real. And she knows that when she goes through heaven that that wheelchair is not going to be following her. you got to believe, Piedmont. You've you, you got to be in love with Jesus like him. You go, Bart, something's wrong with you, man. you got too much energy. You're too crazy. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm so glad something's wrong with me. I'm so glad that I've caught the fever. I'm so glad that Jesus saved me. And I'm never going to all of a sudden not be arriving. If all of a sudden I feel like I'm calming down and I'm easing up and I'm going to slow down and I'm not going to be as dynamic, I hope I'm dead. I hope I'll get to be able to say, Lord, I, I must be in the casket because I can't move, you know. Because I love Jesus so much. Let me tell you about that for a second. I love Jesus so much that I can travel the world and make fun of myself and preach the gospel and be rejected and be looked down on because I'm so passionate and still keep going, you know. Still keep going. 29 years later, you'd have thought, man, he'd have done away with me, that Satan would have done killed me. But you know what I love about the, the, the couple things you can do? I love that I can say, I rebuke the devil. And you know what Jesus does? He kicks me to the curb. Now, here's the thing. I'm not confined to a wheelchair. I could barely ache about heart surgery. I could barely ache about losing my daddy. But the bottom line, Piedmont Baptist Church, is heaven is real. This is not a permanent residence. And that we better get a burden for Jesus. We better get a burden for the lost. And we need to blank out the red every Sunday so that we're on our face saying, God, it may not be the greatest time right now in the sense of where I am in my life, but I still want to be used. I still believe in glory. I still believe in heaven. I promise you, there's times that I lay in my bed and I look up at night and I say, boy, there's my grandmother that sold her life out to me and sat in a little orange chair in a, in a government apartment that I paid $34 a month to live in with her and I could starve to death. She said, there's something good in you, son. There will be a day that God will use you. And I promise you, 29 years later, she was right. You know why she was right? Because she prayed to an almighty God. She prayed to a, to a Jesus that really came down. And I promise you right now, when he came down and, and showed servanthood, 
It should be the greatest role model of the functioning of the church. Not judges, not positions, not matter how much money you got, but how much you serve. God needs your servanthood. He needs you to be dedicated to the cause of Christ. Not something that makes you feel good about yourself, but about filling up heaven. Your feel good will come when you see that description of heaven as you walk in. And it will still be secondary to seeing Jesus. Can you imagine? It says right here in, here's my next word, I'm I'm close to them. What does it require to get in? Acts 4 verse 12. Nor is there salvation in the other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, men and women, children, youth group, whatever is in this room right now. You're lost or you're saved. And if you're lost, don't leave the building without him. But if you're saved, sit up. Rise up. And know that the Bible says that the only way to go to heaven is to know his son. To have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. To have that moment where all of a sudden you were lost and he comes in now you're found. As you know my testimony, I sat on a curb, on a, on a, on a, on a septic tank, or a cesspool tank, and I knelt down there with a youth pastor in horrible conditions, about to commit suicide, and said yes to Jesus. And I've been saying yes to him for 29 years. I've never turned him down. I've never run away from what he wants me to do. Because here's the thing. If you start running away from Jesus, you're in deep trouble. Your life will be no good. Your life will not have any substance. And at the end of the day, when you walk across, if you get to, here's the thing that I know about that. If you can live like that forever, you might may not be going to heaven. If you can sustain the Holy Spirit for your whole life to where you never do anything, or you stay here in this whole sermon and you're mad at me because I'm preaching, then guess what? You might be lost. Because all this is, and I'm going to share you something pretty cool with you. They say, Mr. Bart, to be, to be an evangelist, you must have all kinds of gifts. One, stinking enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. You know what? And I'm, I love y'all who y'all are, and I hope you don't punish me on my love album because I, am, I, I, I want you to love me, you know. But as a Georgia fan yesterday, I was jumping out of my shoes, you know what I'm saying? Because usually Tennessee, even as bad as they are, they'll rise up on us, and they didn't yesterday, you know. So here's the thing. When I sit back and I was doing backflips in my house, I said, Lord, if I get in that pulpit and I don't do a, even bigger, get rid of me, you know. Because let me tell you something. Then a Georgia Bulldog team or Alabama team, any team exists that's more important than Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, he deserves an applause. He deserves glory. Because I tell you right now, he created glory for us. It says right here in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me tell you something. I want you to ask you a question this morning. And we're about to close in a second. Why do you exist? Why did God create you in your mother's womb? What was the process? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you come into this world and you've been raised up from a child to where you are. Why do you exist? And you sit there and say, you know what? In this day and age, and and, and lostness, and 2,400 churches in Georgia not doing anything, uh, apparently you exist for something that's probably more important than Jesus, you think. How is that possible? How, how is it that you can get so mundane as a Christian, you can get so complacent as a Christian that you forget that there's peace at the altar? You forget that all of a sudden you can come down here as a teenager and you may have all kinds of teen pressure on you and you can either say, Lord, take that stress away. Lord, take that peer pressure away. Lord, I can't tell you right now he's listening. 
to every thought in your head or now every single individual. See, I think sometimes when we start describing who he is and what's going on in that Bible, all of a sudden you get a little taken back. Because you say, how can he do that? He's God's son. He really did come down to the earth. And he really did die for your sins. And he really did rise again. And I think a lot of times what we need, instead of all of a sudden becoming know-it-alls, you know, that, that's what I said here lately. That's what my, my big line is. When you go in that church and all of a sudden they'll look at me and they go, boy, you're speaking fast and you're speaking quick and you're speaking powerful, but I know everything. You know what I'm saying? You can tell those people because you'll just, I can see them. I, I ain't going to do it here because, I mean, it'd be scary, but I can look across that room and I can get that look like, he knows it all. She knows it all. She is counting the clock down. He's counting the clock down. He's, if he could get up and leave right now, he would, you know. Here's the thing. Be afraid. But don't be afraid of me. Be afraid of the fact that if you miss heaven, hell exists. And if you're going to go to heaven, then fill that sucker up. You know, that's what I did yesterday. All of a sudden, it was a touchdown run, and I caught myself just going, yeah, you know. And I thought, that's how I feel when those eight teenagers raised their hands and said, hey, Mr. Barton, I want to get it right. I want to go where you're going. I want to have an excitement about my life where all of a sudden I realize because I'll never be alone. I'll never have to go through anything that could, that's going to be too hard because all I got to do is this. Dear Lord, I'm stressed. Dear Lord, I'm tired. And I am tired. I've been going to stress 29 years. I've been fighting the fight against the grain. I've been sitting back and they go, you ain't going to survive in evangelism because you're going to start it because people don't want to hear about Jesus and heaven and all that good stuff. What? I'm like, okay, then what took its place, you know? Because here's the thing, that calling it burned inside of me and said, hey, I ain't done. And if all of a sudden you start thinking about being done, then go give your cousin Ponder's funeral home that $265 for that pine box you're going to be buried in because you're dead. When's your calling over? When you see Jesus. Church, you know what? Y'all are the magnificent church. I promise you, I've walked in here. I've had moments upstairs. I, every time I think about Michael Ingram, I think about the beach. And I think about looking over there at him. He looked over at me and I thought, who is that? And of course, I'm nosy. Hey, who are you, you know? And we struck up a conversation. And all of a sudden, a year later, we had over 27 kids get saved up in his upstairs. We filled up heaven in that room. Literally, year after year, we filled up heaven. It was cool, man, you know. And I travel everywhere, but there are certain places I go to, and I think, man, that was a cool place, you know. And I think those fond memories of y'all made me realize I need to get back here and talk about the real deal, you know. And I ain't talking about Evander Holyfield. I'm talking about Jesus, you know. He's real. Listen right here, it says that in Romans 10, verse 15, 13 through 15, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him to listen in who they have not believed? And now how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? You can't get rid of me. You may not uninvite me, invite me anymore, but God's still going to use me. I'm going to spring from the, la- the rafter tops. I love Jesus everywhere I go. In fact, I'll share this stat with you and I'm going to close. This last couple of years, and I haven't been with Michael in a while talking about this, but I have made and been intentional to where I have been intentional about leading the staff at hotels 
the people at the restaurants, the people everywhere I travel. In fact, I was in a little town called Wynn, Georgia, where I led more people to Jesus Christ outside the streets in revival than I did in revival. And I brought them in and baptized them and blew the church away. And you know what they said to me? They go, I want some of that. I said, well, here it is. You've got to sit back and go, you can't do this. You can't go, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. And when you get outside the door, you go, oh, I love Longhorn. I love my job. I love my truck. I love my, my You can't do that. You can't turn Jesus on and off because he's the real deal. We're going to close here in a minute, and I'm going to give you a chance. And listen, there's plenty of room. Don't break your neck. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I love this altar. It's anointed by that man right there. God's touched him. And even when I was two or three years go by, and I, I you know Michael knows him, I'm, I'm a persistent feller. I learned when I love some words, I'll call them for years and years and years and years and years, you know, and that's what I do. It says right here in Romans 10, verse 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, it tells us that God desires all men to be saved and to come knowledge of the truth when's the last time that you led somebody to Jesus I'll tell you Piedmont I don't know where you're at I don't know what's going on with you Piedmont Baptist Church but individually lies I want you to go on a journey this morning I want you to talk about your lost loved ones I want you to think about this young generation right here whether or not you know where they're at and here's the thing well I know they're saved because I've watched this go on it don't stop you from having a conversation with somebody I love to walk up to a teenager and go, hey, what's up, buddy? When's the last time? When did you give your life to Christ? And they tell me, you know. And all of a sudden, if they don't tell me, I get to get my testimony. You know, it's cool, you know. Here's the thing. Change the way you do things. Go against the grain and fill up heaven. It's not my commandment. It's not coming from me because it's coming from me. You could reject it all day long. It's in the word of God. That when you sit back and receive the plan of salvation, you shall go and tell. And that's what I desire. I want to see a pearl gate. I want to see diamond chandeliers. I want you to bow your heads. This morning, there's going to be a couple of ch- opportunities in the invitation. I want you to listen. I'm going to play a song for you. It's a beautiful song. And you're going to catch me singing. So next time on the next song, play it loud, me, okay? You can blur me out. But here's the thing. Here's how it's going to go. Are you lost? Did you walk into Piedmont Baptist Church today and realize that after hearing me talk to you, you've not made it personal. You've not asked him to come into your heart. You're going to miss heaven. Or maybe you're sitting here and realize that your actions makes you realize maybe, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you need to sit back and make it. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. But here's the thing. When's the last time you've been excited about Jesus? When's the last time you've been excited about being used by Jesus? If you're sitting there and you need to pray this prayer after me, that's Jesus to come to your heart. You do it like this. You can just say right after me, Dear Lord, I know that I'm lost. Dear Lord, I know that I sin. And dear Lord, I know that the best way I know how, I want to ask you to come into my heart and to be my Lord and Savior and to forgive me of my sins and to walk with me for the rest of my life. Dear Lord, thank you for saving me And I pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed.